Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we read from the very beginning of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Now, if you study Matthew's Gospel, it can divide it up into sections. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his blueprint to the Christian life and how to live it out. Chapter 10 deals with the great evangelization. Jesus sends the apostles out on their first mission of evangelization. Chapter 13 Jesus describes the kingdom of God in types of parables. Well, in the gospel for this weekend, we hear the first of four parables about the kingdom of God and how it grows in each and every one of us. Now, notice how the gospel begins. It says, On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Well, stop right there. Jesus goes out of the house. He comes out of a private place. And he goes out into the open air. What he's doing right now, he's preaching to all the nations. If he would have stayed in that house, he would have preached to just those people. But instead, he intentionally leaves the house and goes out into the open to preach to all people. Jesus is preaching to all of us. Therefore, his message is meant for all of us to hear. Notice also the detail. He sits down and then he starts teaching. Well, that is the posture of a teacher in the ancient world. In our day and age, teachers stand up and the students sit in chairs. But in the ancient world, the teacher always sat down. The students would sit at the feet of their teacher and absorbed everything that the teacher was going to teach them. Now, he teaches us the parable of the sower and the seeds. Now, we've heard this story many times. But it's important for us to really understand the symbolism associated with it. The seed that is sown is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus as well as his teaching. Remember John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1? It says, In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, Jesus is that Word. He is that seed that takes root in each and every one of us that accepts him. And so Jesus is that seed. Now notice the seed, it's sown far and wide, which means Jesus' mission is destined for the world, not just for a small segment of the population. Jesus comes to save us all. Notice also the sower or the farmer. He sows indiscriminately. You know, it seems like he's carelessly throwing out that seed on good soil as well as bad. He doesn't care. I remember my very first assignment as a pastor. It was a very rural church. In fact, it was surrounded by cornfields. I used to love reading this gospel because most of the parishioners that I had were farmers. I remember reading this gospel and looking up and everyone was shaking their heads. No, they knew that this is not a way or a good way to farm. It's a careless way. Seed in our day and age, as well as in the day and age of Jesus, is very expensive. 
Therefore, you had to know the proper soil in which to plant the seed, so the seed had every opportunity to grow and put forth a crop. Now, what can we take from this? This farmer that seems carelessly in how he throws out the seed. Well, the farmer is God the Father, who generously gives everything to us, generously gives us even his own son. That's how generous the Father is, so that we might be saved. Jesus comes into this world, and we can either accept him or reject him. Now, Jesus later on interprets this parable to the apostles, and he says, The seed that fell on the path, the birds came and ate. Well, this represents people who hear the word of God, but they don't understand it, and therefore they're not prepared to welcome Christ in their life. I'll give you a good analogy. Several years ago, I was at a parish, and every year we would invite missionary priests to come for, and stay with us for a few weeks. They would give retreats or missions, hear confessions. Well, one year, the missionary priest was from India, and I was able to get Badger football tickets. So I took the priest to a football game, thinking that he had never seen a football game, probably never will. And at Randall, Camp Randall Stadium, it was a very exciting time. They were playing, I, think, I believe it was Michigan. And whoever won the game essentially was going to go to the Rose Bowl. So there was everything at stake. Now it was a very exciting game. Why? Well, because we all knew or understood the game. We knew the rules. We knew how to play football. But we also knew what was at stake, you know, the Rose Bowl. And so the game was very exciting. It went back and forth. Finally, the Badgers won at the last minute. I'll never forget, as we were walking out to get to our car, I looked at the priest and I said, so did you have a great time? And he said, no. And I said, what, are you kidding me? All that excitement and you didn't enjoy yourself? He said, no, I didn't know the game. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what really was going on. And that really stuck with me. Well, apply that in the spiritual life. In order for us to truly be prepared to receive Christ in our life, we've got to know our faith, and our religion. Go back to the Old Testament. What was the one mistake or one of the biggest mistakes the Israelites failed to do? And that was to understand their faith. That's why God sent prophet after prophet after prophet, established covenant after covenant with the Israelites to help them to get to know and understand their faith so that they were prepared to receive Jesus in their life. And they didn't understand their faith. That's why they rejected Jesus. Well, the same thing holds true in our day and age. Just a few years ago, there was a Pew Research report that came out. And some of the information was quite disturbing. It told us that Catholics in America were second only to Jewish Americans in ineffectively passing on their faith to the next generation. I don't know about you, but I find that very frightening. As I've said before, the Catholic Church is a generation away from extinction. If we don't teach the next generation, our children, the faith, then the kids are not going to know it or practice it. It becomes extinct. Furthermore, in this Pew Research report, it told us that the majority of American Catholics favor radical tolerance when it comes to religious beliefs. To believe what you want is a great indifference amongst many American Catholics. Many American Catholics choose what they want to believe, according to the Catholic Church. 
They'll believe some aspects of the Catholic Church, but they refuse to believe other things. We call them kind of like cafeteria-style Catholics. Well, what happens with that is these Catholics, they don't know the true faith. They don't know all of our faith and our beliefs and our traditions, our doctrines and our dogmas. Well, if that is really true, then it's going to be difficult for them to pass on the faith to the next generation. It won't take root, just like this seed. Well, what we have to do is understand our faith and do it not just for ourselves, but for the next generation so that our Catholic Church and our faith continues to prosper in the future. Next, the seed fell on rocky soil. Well, this describes people who are really fascinated with the spiritual life. They are drawn into it, maybe in a powerful event. Maybe they go to Men of Christ or Women of Christ conference and they're fired up in their faith. But they lack discipline. They lack perseverance. And eventually, that excitement dims. Well, when we take something seriously, we always associate it with discipline. You see that in all aspects of life, whether it's our professional work, our health, or sports. But if we don't take something seriously, we won't have discipline and we won't do it. If we don't take, for example, exercise seriously, then we won't do it. We'll say, you know, I'll exercise tomorrow. But when we take something seriously, for, for example, our job, our work, or our profession, then we'll say, I want to be the best person, the best professional I can be. Therefore, I'll take professional education classes, continuing ed classes. I'll do whatever I can that I'm the best at what I do. Or take it, for example, health. We say, you know, I want to get in shape. I want to lose weight. Well, we take discipline with that. We surround that aspect with discipline. And so instead of getting up at 6 in the morning, we get up at 5 and we go bike. And then after dinner, instead of hitting the couch and watching TV, we say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go walk. Well, that's discipline. And because of that, now we, are, we have better health. We've lost weight. We take it seriously. Anything we take seriously, we surround it with discipline. Well, next is the seed that is sown amongst thorns. And the thorns choke it off. Well, this describes some people who hear the word of God, but are not able to take it in always. They lack a focus or a priority. The word of God, or Christ himself, must be the center of our life. God must be the central organizing principle in our life. But does that mean we must disengage the world? No, just the opposite. We should study art and architecture and history and music and the sciences They all fall in harmony with Christ. But the moment anything else comes into the center of our life, whether it's fame, fortune, power, honor, notoriety, then those things dominate our life. We're constantly preoccupied with them. We can't allow worldly concerns to choke off our faith. Lastly, the seed that falls on good soil. It takes root, grows, and bears much fruit. Now, anyone who has ever planted a garden knows you just can't plant a garden and walk away from it and say, my job is done. No, you have to nurture the soil. You have to constantly be cultivating that soil. Maybe put some fertilizer in. Start pulling some weeds. Maybe water from time to time. And in doing so, you cultivate an environment for that seed to grow and bear fruit. Well, we have to do the same thing in the spiritual life. 
When we were baptized, we received Jesus Christ in our life. We received that seed in our life. What's the soil? Our soul. We receive the seed of Jesus Christ on our soul. But what's required of us? Through discipline, we nurture and we cultivate that seed. Through prayer, through going to Mass every week, praying every day, studying our faith, doing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, always doing these things with a sense of discipline. See, when we do that, then we nurture and we cultivate that seed of faith that was planted in us. Then that seed of faith grows each and every day of our life. Each and every day, the more we pray, the more we engage the sacraments and live the virtuous life, we will always bear fruit. And that's all that Christ ever wants from us. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest in you always.